Happy Halloween, Composer Quest listeners. The being known as Charlie McCarran, who normally hosts this show, is hard at work in the kitchen, cooking. <laughs> but luckily you have the opportunity to meet me, the demonic overlord of the undead, and all things unholy in the third ring of hell. You may address me as Demonic Overlord for short. I will now take you to a conversation Mr. McCarran had with two wonderfully horrific composers. William Dodson and Wendell Jones compose Halloween music under the name Sideshow Sound Theater. I'm here with Will Dodson and Wendell Jones. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves and maybe say how this collaboration happened? Hi, I'm Wendell. I'm a composer and multi-instrumentalist and producer from England. And this handsome chap on my right <laughs> is William Dodson. And do you want to talk about how we how we met, Will? Uh, yeah, well, actually, we were uh, we met on Twitter in, I think, 2010. And uh, we were both composers, and we were just kind of starting out on social media and getting our early stuff out there. And uh, we just became friends, and, and uh, we admired each other's work a lot. We're kind of similar artistically. And um, I was doing uh, Halloween projects in 2010 and 2011 by myself. And then after I released my second Halloween project, Wendell approached me and said, Hey, what, what about uh, you and I doing it together next year? So we, that's how Sideshow started. Cool. So how does that actually work with the two of you being in different locations and do you just bounce the tracks back and forth and add new things to it or how do it kind of differs each track doesn't it really with the last album like say i would write an idea and then will would finish it off so i'd send him my composition and then he'd either reorchestrate at his end or we'd splice it at a certain place Right. And then he would like carry on the composition and, and then we would glue it back together again at the end and hopefully the link was seamless. And then with this album, it's changed slightly. There's less reorchestration. It's just like purely I'll compose a section, he'll compose a section, then I'll compose another section and so on and so forth. And then we'll just like glue it all together. What do you think are each of your individual strengths in composing? With me, it's more about starting off the idea. I seem to have a, a knack for like initiating the start of pieces, but then I'm, I'm not so good at like developing the theme and then continuing it on and recapitulating it at the end. Whereas I think Will can just take what I've done and turn it into something great. And equally, I seem to have a knack for good endings. Like, I don't know, I'm saying I, Will is nodding, so I'm guessing that's correct. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I think like with the end, I, I like to like go all out and have really like fat instrumentation and, and, and be really like bombastic. Will's 
well as good at complementing that with more um, intimate and flowing parts throughout the piece that connect my start and my ending together. One of the things that I love about getting an idea from Wendell is that when he sends me a track, it's already so structured. And I've told him this many times. It's every section is well represented. The bass is well represented. The counterpoint's already there. The melody line's already there. A lot of the harmony's there. So the ideas are strong to begin with. And that's that's huge for me if I'm going to take the section and then kind of branch off of it because it, a lot of the decisions have already been made. Whereas I, I think when I compose something and I send it to him, a lot of times the orchestration is uh, not set in stone. There are things that I'll change. The bass might, may, may not be 100% there yet. I'm just trying to get the idea down and move on. I don't know. I just, I go off on tangents musically. So it's... <laughs> just have to rein each other in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we balance each other out very well. And we, we have a, a completely open and honest relationship with each other. Right. If we really don't like something, we'll say. And if we dig in something, we'll praise and pat each other on the back so right you don't really understand your own compositions as well and what your strengths are until you begin to work with someone else i was initially like skeptical at first about working with someone else but then because our styles just seem to complement each other we've just gone with it and it seemed to work yeah it seems like there's not too many composing teams as much as there are like songwriting teams in a band or something Right. I think like the difference, like, particularly between a band and, and, and composers, and, and specifically with us, is, is we're not in the same room together. You know, maybe if we were, we'd come to fisticuffs. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the fact that we don't just get on well, like musically, we get on well outside and we share a lot of similar interests in, in cinema, for example, and, and other things. And, you know, the thing is, too, we geek out about this style of music, which is very specific, uh, you know, Halloween music or macabre music or however you want to label it. What are some of your influences? I mean, I would be surprised if you hadn't seen A Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a good score. Oh, it is. It never gets old. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's the danger, too. I mean, we, you know, speaking of Danny Elfman, Danny Elfman sort of rewrote the book on how to do this type of music. And so, you know, there are certain conventions that come with with quote unquote Halloween music. You know, you want to have tubular bells in there. You want to have harpsichord, organ, low brass. So doing it without sounding like Danny Elfman can be very difficult, and that's what we do try to do. We try to push it in different directions, especially this year. We, we don't want to do just on-the-nose Halloween music. We'd like it to branch out a little bit. And we, you know, we have, we have uh, you know, lounge jazz on this album. We have romantic period string writing. With the last album, we were thinking maybe too much about those conventions, that Halloween, classic Halloween, Elfman type sound. And that's why that sound was a little on the nose. But I think with this, we started writing in our own style, how we would usually write. And then we went about darkening the mood and, and honing it into that style. Whereas we think with the first album, we initially were just setting out to write Halloween music. And that included all the cliches. And I think doing it from this process works better and it creates, you know, much better ideas and much better melodies.
where do you get your sounds? And how much of those are you performing live instruments and how much are uh, sampled sounds? Uh, on my end, it's 100% sampled. I, I use Propellerhead's Reason software and all of their samples are proprietary. So that's one of the tricky elements to the album is that he uses Logic, I use Reason, and neither of them play nice together. <laughs> so you have to get clever about how you splice everything together. But uh, Miroslav makes really great orchestral libraries. Uh, Garretton I also use. Sonic Reality. Some of the things are, are, are samples that I've actually recorded myself. Uh, Dulcimer is one of those. We introduced Dulcimer a lot on this album, just as a, another texture and a color. The, the samples, particularly like the, the violin samples, the, the, the solo violin parts of a piece, uh, always concentrate on getting really good or the best I can sample libraries for that part. Because obviously the solo instrument sings higher than the rest of the orchestra anyway, so it's got to be really good. How do you go about adding in details? And do you ever add in too many and say, oh, we have to take this out again? Or... Because I can see how you could get carried away with a ton of little things. Well, I think I think what's, what's great about a collaboration is that you don't always like see the flaws in your own work because you, you've grown like too attached to it, and someone else's perspective can only help to like improve your work over anything you do on your own. And of course, self doubt creeps in as the deadline looms, and you're like, oh, "Is this track good enough? Is this chord good enough? Should we add more brass?" Blah 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 blah. And those are the kinds of things that cause you know a mental panic in your mind if you're on your own. But having someone there with you along for the ride can either confirm your doubts, and that's when you'll you'll change it, or they'll say, "No, what you're talking about, this is fantastic." So we'll you know. Uh, just leave it as it is, don't touch it. Um, so more composers should collaborate, really. <laughs> oh, yeah. This particular album is the funnest album I've ever done. I mean, it just from start to finish, it's it never felt like work, even though we've worked a lot on it. You know, I know when I do something aside from Sideshow Sound Theater, I'm always, there is that self-doubt that we all have. Am I going too far with it? Am I not going far enough? And when you have someone who is as concerned with the quality of your own work as you are, it, it's it's a great thing. And, you know, we've long ago said, hey, man, dispense with the niceties. You know, if you hate something, don't mince words. Just just put it to me bluntly. And no one's, you know, there's never been a really a disagreement even because we trust each other. I think there was, on the last album, there was one disagreement and all that was was just one note. One note. One single <laughs> note on the whole album that I wow. that I said, I think this should be C. And Will was like, no, this should be F. And, <laughs> and that went on for about weeks, I think, weeks and weeks. <laughs> we just kept shelving the issue. We were just like, we'll just get back to that later. We, we sort of created a rule out of that situation where if it was your idea to begin with, you have jurisdiction over it. It's your piece. Absolutely, I defer to you. And he was right. I mean, it, the note is better. I, I will say on record, uh, you know, his note was better. So, you know. What kind of advice do you have for someone who wants to get into Halloween composing? Ooh. I would listen to a lot of 
golden age composers, I think. Uh, Bernard Herman, those guys. There is a real danger of falling into the Danny Elfman trap. And, and I'm not saying that we haven't done that even on this album to an extent. I mean, there are going to be moments that pastiche Elfman a little bit. It's hard not to, but I would definitely listen to everything that you, you know. And, and that question leads me to, to say this this one point here. You know, there to us, there wasn't enough Halloween music, like purpose-written Halloween music. So that was one of the reasons we formed Sideshow. But going back to your question, I, I, anything by Bernard Herrmann, I would say, even Elfman, you know, just be weary of, of uh, pastiching too much. And I think also I'd add to that, don't be too worried about pastiche in the sound. You're always going to tread on something someone has done before. And But at Absolutely. the end of the day, as long as it's your ideas and as long as it's your melodies, which hopefully it will be, then it's just going to be great. And, and definitely don't worry too much about what people think and don't worry too much about the conventions of composing that the elitist snobs will you know right. sometimes throw down it, 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 music is just expression at the end of the day expressing your ideas and then kind of telling your story and as long as you're doing that and you're having fun then that's all that matters really yeah what do you hope to do with this album do you have some ideas of marketing it one of the other things that comes along with composers, apart from a, a shit ton of self-doubt, is, is this lack of like marketing skills and marketing yourself, um, particularly when there's like so many other like good musicians out there, so many, and everyone's crying for attention. And I, I think what what helps is when you start to develop your own style, which I think we're doing now, because then it becomes something that no one else is doing uh, and you're more eager to shout about it. Anything you'd like to add, Will? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I, I'm terrible at marketing. I always feel like, you know, I'll put stuff on Facebook and Twitter and I'll, you know, I'll throw it out there. But I, at a certain point, it's like, well, how much do my personal friends really want to hear about this? How much, you know, and they'll always support you and everything, but you always feel like you're crossing a line. You don't want to inundate your friend's uh, feed on Facebook with your with your Halloween yeah. album, you know? <laughs> but, yeah. Being that you guys are film composers too, do you have any advice for budding film composers? <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> uh, I kind of go against perhaps what other composers say and just say yes to everything when you're early on in your career and this goes for like music life not to get too philosophical but anything really just really really think about what you want and then go and do it and and just do what you want yeah go for it you're not doing what you want you're not going to create the right music for the film you're not going to enjoy it and then what's the point you know I'm just really enjoying what I'm doing and I don't need other people to see that enjoyment. You know, it's just, I'm, I'm just really loving it and I'm doing what I want. And I would add to that. I mean, I, I would say do projects you feel are just outside your ability range, even if it's scoring a commercial, if it's doing a, just anything in general that pushes what you think you can't do into the territory of things you can do and just believing you can do it. I mean, it, it's, my mentor, uh, Peter Omsel, has always taught me that sort of thing. Just you, you have to commit to it. You have to believe in it. And you have to go for it. If you don't believe in it when you start a project, you've already screwed the entire project up. You have to 
you have to believe you can write a certain way. You have to believe that you, you, if you can't do it today, you'll figure out how to do it tomorrow. I mean, there's just things like that. And I heard a quote once. It was, uh, if you want to make it as a film composer, don't quit because everybody else does. And that's probably the best piece of advice I ever heard. Having screen sense or developing it, you know, if you look at anything by Hans Zimmer, you know, say what you will about it. I love Hans Zimmer. Everybody, everybody does. But the man's got some of the best screen sense you'll ever see in a composer. I mean, he just knows exactly what to put against picture. And, and I think that's a that's a, a muscle that, that should be developed always if you're going to try to score a picture. You just have to – if you don't have screen sense, you don't think you do, just watch a lot of films, you know, take notes. Always educate yourself. That's the big thing. Never stop learning. There was a challenging statement from one of our recent podcast guests, Mark Wiedenbaum, who sees more and more films. I don't know if you guys heard that episode. Oh, I did. Yeah, I love that episode. Yeah, he's he's a great guy. Oh, yeah. But yeah, the part about film scoring disappearing from most films. Right. Because it's akin to the laugh track in that right. film music will become more ingrained within the sound design well as a composer that makes me cringe obviously <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I mean you know but I, mean, I think he's got some valid points and, and i i think there's always going to be a place for that and also for you know the actual dramatic underscore i mean i hope that never goes away i think uh i think film scores are tied to certain subconscious emotions that, that people have that you know buttons that they don't even know are there that we can press but you know you do see the sound design element being turned up in certain films i mean I'm trying to think of a recent example. I think Gravity was one of those where it just, it's music, but it's, it seems more like sound design than music. It, but it, it totally works. I mean, it's an amazing score. I think the early Underworld films kind of went down that road too. And it, it just, I think it all depends on the film. Personally, that's just my opinion. I, I, I hope it never goes away. <laughs> mm-hmm. What are some of your favorite horror films or halloween films? Hmm. <laughs> definitely nothing from recent times <laughs> I definitely prefer the old classics the old Dracula all those kind of films that there's always that kind of uh, comical vibe you get from older films because they're so yeah. cheesy the production is so low but I love that like it's got this like charm to it that seems to be lost today I'm going to go against what he said I love all the old horror films so I grew up on, the, on those in my household you know my dad raised me to love that stuff the old you know frankenstein movies and all that but i think there have been some decent ones you know i think a lot of uh, the early 90s tim burton films were really good halloween films and uh uh trick-or-treat that came out i think in 09 is a really good halloween film yeah i just watched that i'll give that one yeah yeah it's like he set out to make the definitive halloween movie in a way and i i just love that i love the vibe of that of that picture it's just great score too by the way <laughs> Douglas Pipes, I believe, scored that. It's a great score. It's a, just a, a cracking score. Yeah, almost like Herman-esque, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Do you guys know what you're going to dress up as for Halloween? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, maybe this is a, a good time to talk about a podcast, Will. Oh, for Halloween. Yeah, we are dressing up as podcasters for Halloween. That's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we're doing actually some uh, some audio commentary for 
definitely this album, the WTF Paranormal Agency, and also probably the first album, Twisted Tales and Scary Stories as well. We're just going to get together, do like a Google Hangout like we're doing here, and just uh, basically just just kind of talk over the album if anybody's interested in the technical process and, and some of the stories behind you know some of the tracks on there. Um, so we're definitely dressing cool. up as podcasters <laughs> for Halloween. Nice. That's what we're doing. That sounds like a awesome idea to do the uh, commentary over the the album. Absolutely, I, th- I think it's something that's, that's lacking. I feel like you know, you you have DVD commentaries. Why can't you have music commentaries? You know, every everyone always loves musicians, non musicians always love to hear like behind the process how something was created. Cool. I'll for sure have a link to it on the blog post for this episode too. Oh, thank you. So, um, Wendell, I was living in London for a semester of school uh-huh. and we, we all dressed up for Halloween and no one else did. Is, no, what's the it's, deal? It's, a, it, it, it's strange that it, like all that kind of tradition like comes from our country and yet America's like, they always tend to do like take whatever we have and make it into this much bigger thing and, and you know, much more <laughs> celebrated. And, and I, I like that, you know, like, it's one of the things I like about America, but uh, I, I think that it, it does seem to be like a lot more popular over there. Um, I think that slightly <laughs> what it is is perhaps it's the uh, humility, and, like down to earth nature of, of of the British. Like we're very like you know reserved and prim and proper and slightly stuck up in some places. <laughs> and, like, we, like, we don't want to go and like bother someone at their door. Oh no, that's, that's that's a breach of privacy. That's that's disturbing the peace. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yeah, it's not to say we don't enjoy Halloween, but I think the the, the, the biggest people who enjoy Halloween parties are like university students, you know, because really it's just another chance to go and get pissed. So yeah. <laughs> if there's beer, yeah. we're there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you guys enjoy your Halloweens as podcasters. Thank you very much. It'll be terrifying for everybody involved. <laughs> <laughs> we were going to possibly do a, a monthly thing where we just we talk about film scores and just chatting you know kind of making it loose and, and bringing people on and, and just uh, discussing real geeky side of, of of what we do that like-minded people would, would appreciate and we've got we've got ideas for at least five or six episodes already that we think would be kind of cool to delve into right now basically film music centric i think for the most part well cool well good luck with that thanks a lot I, I would be really excited to hear a film music podcast Right, that's that's what we're hoping for. I mean, I, and there there's some good ones out there. Track Sounds is a great podcast. I love the I love those guys. Um, you know, we just uh, we're kind of hoping to to be like a companion piece to like what you do and and what Track Sounds does. And that'd be sweet. I'll help promote it. Yeah, I appreciate that. All right, well, take it easy, guys. You too, Charlie. Good talk. Nice to meet you again. Yeah, thanks, Charlie. What a lovely conversation. I simply must have William and Wendell over for dinner. In the meantime, I'm going to get my fix of their music by googling Sideshow Sound Theater. I believe Charlie has compiled a list of the music from this episode at composerquest.com sideshow. Now it's time for... I've been working on a song recently, and I don't usually show the softer side of myself, 
but this was one that just poured straight from the heart. enjoyed my song. If not, you will meet a most unpleasant and fiery demise. For more of my music, visit Demonic Overlord of the Undead and All Things Unholy in the Third Ring of Hell.com. Now, I will leave you with a track by the Sideshow Sound Theater. It's one of my personal favorites, called The Quest of Darkness. Enjoy! And have a happy Halloween, you foolish mortals. <laughs>